Hello, welcome to another episode of the Rich from Bigfooty Tiger Cast. We're back for 2019, not long to go until the real season starts. Got a couple of JLT games happening in the in the meantime, and AFLX, everyone's favourite comp, is coming up this Friday night. I'm sure everyone's going to be tuning in. Um, but there's a bit been going on at Tigerland lately, so we thought we'd get some of the Bigfooty experts in to talk about it all. Uh, it's a, a larger cast than usual tonight, so it should be very interesting. We've got Captain Blood 17. Welcome, mate. Fuck you, Westenham. Fuck you, Westenham. Fuck you, Heard. Hi, boys. Oh. How are you? Wow. <laughs> that lasted um, long. That, yeah. <laughs> my God. That's for you, TIG 71. Jesus Christ. Uh, Grokodok, who's pushing through uh, an illness. Welcome, mate. Hope you're feeling good. Uh, yeah, feel, feeling a lot better than I was uh, in the last hour or so. But, oh. uh, you know, talk, talking the tigers is always the surefire way to, to make you feel better. If it makes you feel any better, I'm on the same page as you. I've had the last couple of days off work, uh, so if I run out of the room quickly, that, yeah, that could be another explanation for it as well. Um, and yep. we've also got the lounge lizard on. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me back. No dramas at all. And the, the best thing about having you on is you haven't had to have watched a game of football to be able to comment on anything because you didn't do that the last couple of times you come on. Uh, so you should be pretty safe if tonight. I remember, if, I, if I remember correctly, I was out chasing tail. And quite successfully. And I said that I'll get around to watching a replay. Um, you know, it's very hard. There's only certain angles when you're having the old how's your father that you can properly see the telly. Wait, and, uh, yeah, I, I like you, to mix things up a bit in my fornication. You know, I don't like to get stagnant and stale. Did, did you or did you not admit to me uh, that you didn't watch the replay? Well, you see, what happened is uh, this other girl rang. I thought, you know... <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty more games, isn't there? We've already won a flag, you know. I mean, home and away games, they're essentially meaningless now. Yeah, but you're taken <laughs> now, so now you have got no excuse to go out chasing tail and ditch the tags. Mm, touche, well played. You win this round, but the war isn't over. Oh, so we, go. we can get the lounge lid on every, yeah. every weekend. You'll have a very thorough, in-depth review of games because we'll be all over <laughs> it now. You know, it was interesting just to, um, before we get so terribly carried away um to go back to the point i sort of just made in all my silliness before um obviously i remember when cb17 came out with a emotionally checked out thread and the hashtag no that was wang wang. i was i was ekai (laughs) (laughs) it was the emotionally checked in one (laughs) right now since this is not live we can edit this out and in our own minds here as we're talking we'll edit that moment out too so I'll slightly rephrase that. Um, I remember when Wang made the thread about being emotionally checked out, of course, during the 2016 season. Um, as much as I found it hard that year to get into the football, um, you know, for obviously the various reasons surrounding that season, of course, other things are going outside of, um, outside of, you know, football. Um, I actually found last year quite a hard season to focus on coming off the premiership i saw a few people commenting that it was hard did you boys find that that sort of after you let the hair down after the the premiership and the sort of craziness the drought being broken um the unexpectedness of it the way we did it um you know to quote mcavaney from the commentary of the day um did you guys find that last year was hard and that you didn't really get geared up until later in the year or were you kind of ready to go by round one? I was ready to go oh, by was... round one. I've never understood the mindset because there's a thread on the board about this as well, even for this year. Uh, and I've never understood it because we've been so shit for so long and copped so much shit from so many different people and teams that I was ready just to tear anyone apart and unleash at people. Um, yeah, for the first time in my life, I've seen us be a successful powerhouse dare we say it so i was i was really pumped and looking forward to the footy yeah i was actually checked out i was i was honestly yeah i was you know because we don't we we got we got what we we never thought we would get so so last year for me was i was actually just going to the to the games and really just very very chilled i wasn't uh i wasn't a foamer or a frother that i normally am i was pretty i was pretty you know and it wasn't it, it took me really, really, um, really deep into the season to sort of get any motivation. It was, yeah, it was, it was a strange one. But this year, 
I am back to being a foamer and a fropper. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I I agree completely with that. Go on, uh, go. Uh, yeah, see, I found 2018 pretty casual for me. I mean, I was of the mindset that we'd done it. You know, I've, um, you know, we'd had so much shit hung on us over the last what 30 odd years, and you know, now, you know, with the tag of you know being reigning premiers, yeah, there was an expectation of, you know, are they going to back it up? Will they do that? And I was I was emotionally checked in for that, but at the same time, no one expected us to uh, win the flag in 2017, saying that we had a terrible list. So there was really no expectation for me for us to, to go, you know, back-to-back back or anything. I mean, it would have been nice, and my excitement sort of peaked at around, you know, 18, 19 when it started to build, you know, that we were going to be minor premiers and be in with a real shot. But, yeah, I, I just took last year pretty casually as it came, just enjoyed the football, no pressure, nothing. See, I, I actually thought quite early into the season that we would – um, win the flag again. I was very confident it was probably a sure thing. I and I probably said on this program yeah, um, yeah. that only thing that would stop us is if we shot ourselves in the foot with bad timing and injuries or you know um, form. And evidently, it probably was a mixture of uh, form, injuries, and illness um, that did us at, you know at the second to last hurdle. Um, but, you know, I, I think what made it hard for me is that we were playing such good football and we backed it up and we weren't a flash in the pan. That was like, oh, shit, hang on, we might actually win the flag here. And then turned into, <clears throat> I think we will win the flag here. I almost yeah. probably went, oh, I'll just sort of tune in in the finals and sort of see what we do. And, you know, um, I think it's probably a formality that we're going to win the flag. Um, and sort of, I was actually in, in England during the preliminary final. I was so confident that we're going to win. I'd cancel my holiday short to fly home for the grand final. I was already in the ballot. Um, I'd organise that from, from London. You know, I mean, for me, it was, oh, yeah, I'd just fly home from, from the UK for, you know, to watch us win another flag. Um, and then, you know, so obviously, like, when we when we lost that game, it was like, oh, hang on, like, that wasn't quite to my plan. But I think I found it hard to get into because, yeah, I just, I thought it was a, a done deal a long way out, particularly when the teams around us were falling apart. So on the back of that, then, what what's everyone's thoughts then for this year? Uh, uh, um, I I think it's... Uh, it's going to be a really interesting season. Again, I think we're a good, I, I think we're a good chance to win it this year, um, particularly with the addition of Lynch. Obviously, we got a long way. Um, obviously, I I agree with what a lot of people are saying. I don't know how the the new rules and the, the zoning or, or the set positioning will uh, affect things. Um, you know, it, that's going to be really interesting to see how we how we adapt to that particular sort of the manic game plan that we were playing. Um, yeah. Whether the boys can go again, <clears throat> you know, for, for so many of them, you know, a flag in a prelim is as good as back to back, you know, for the guys who played through the bad years, you know, like Koch and, and, and Rance and Rewat, these guys who who know what the other end of it's like, um, you know, whether they, they struggle to get up as they're getting older. Um, and of course, what what other teams going to come out with? I think it's going to be really interesting. I think we're a very good chance to win it, and I would be disappointed if we didn't because I think we do need another flag in this window. Um, I agree with know, that. I think, I think it's going to shape up and be a very good season. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think with the list we have now and the additions we made, obviously getting Lynch in on, um, you know, the coin that he is, he's twenty six or twenty seven now. So you know, by the you know, in a couple of years' time, he's going to be where Jack is now. He's going to need someone to come in and replace him anyway. So. Um, Obviously, with uh, us bringing Lynch in on on the coin that he's on, and you know everything else, we we've backed ourselves in to win another one or two flags uh, in the next three or four years. Obviously, while we still have Rance and Koch and Jack and um, Shedder and everything, but I'd be disappointed if we don't win the flag. But at the same time, the way I look at it, there are more teams now that are on a level playing field than there were, you know, in 2018 and 2017, obviously, you know, with the um, the signings that Melbourne made and Essendon made and everything, I think they're going to push up as well and they're going to challenge. Um, obviously, we've still got West Coast who have a significant advantage with um, their home games in WA. 
So they're going to be, you know, a real danger final side for us. Uh, GWS could be one of those sides that do anything. And then you've got the unknowns with Geelong and Sydney, who are the ageing lists where um, you don't know if they're going to slide or if they're still going to push. I think this year it's going to be more even than um, the previous few years. Uh, but I still think we have the quality on top. And I think this year we can actually start affording to you know, rest a few more of our players. Obviously, Garthwaite's showing decent form in VFL level, so we can afford to give Rance a break or Asprey a break every, you know, seven or eight weeks to keep them fresh and, and, and you know, not uh, manage them properly. And then Jack, we've obviously got Lynch and we've got Bolter, we've got Child who can come in for a week or two and just, you know, give Jack a rest if he needs it as well. So I think our list is in a really good position right now for, you know, the next three or four years. And I'd be really surprised if we didn't win another one. And CB, you about want, yourself? Do you want my wanker answer, or do you want my serious answer? Oh, I figure you're probably going to uh, give us both. <laughs> can, can, can I get a... Ooh, and then I'll respond. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> right, time for my serious answer. Right. <laughs> I reckon it's going to be the tightest... This will be the tightest year we're ever going to... Like, this will be the tightest year we've ever seen. And as much as I want to say, yeah, tigs, 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 um, I think, in reality, I think we're right in amongst it. Like, prelim, prelim minimum for me this year. That, that's where it's at. Because um, they're bloody hard to get to. So I think prelim um, minimum. But I think West Coast is up there. I think Adelaide will bounce. I think North will actually bounce up. Snake Baker, that's for you, but I do. I think um, they'll bounce up. There's a... It's going to be such a tight, tight year that I just don't see anyone can logically um, actually say, oh, yeah, I can tip this team to win a flag. I think it's that open. It's um, going to be crazy. So we'll be whoever wins it, they're really, really going to earn this flag, and I hope it's us. I really do. It's interesting. I mean, if, the, if it is a tight competition, um, whoever has the cleanest preseason is probably going to be the difference, you know. If it's last man stand, um, and we seem to have been one of the few clubs who've gotten through this preseason uh, quite unscathed. I mean, don't you Con- dare say that! Don't you dare well, say yeah, that! Touch, 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 touch but of course, um, you know. I mean, look at Collingwood; they're dropping guys. I mean, West Coast keep sending guys back for operations. I mean, it's all well and good when they come back and play round one, but I mean, take Caddy as an example. I mean, it's just three weeks of preseason he's going to miss. And uh, I think we saw that with like Dangerfield last year, um, who had an interrupted preseason and never got going. Um, we didn't see the best of him. Um, you know, so I think whoever can get the healthiest preseason, um, you know, we'll, we could go a long way um, as well. And I think it's been really interesting. You know, there's been a lot of clubs who are going through very hard, high-intensity intra-club matches um, scratch this, um, you know, trials of the new system. And if anything, I think we learned from last year and we pulled right back. We've um, been having a very casual preseason and I think we probably learned a lot out of last year where I think we came out too hard too early. Am I the only one who gets really nervous every season with about three weeks to go about injuries? You get you get so close to round one and then you get really, really, really nervous about injuries. Am I the only one who gets like that? You get no, paranoid like that. Every I, time you see like I a have... tweet or an email from Richmond, you're like, oh shit, what's, what's it going to be about? Yep. Especially when you see all the other clubs, you know, getting injuries and that, and you're just like, oh shit, when's it going to be us? When's it going to be us? When's it going to be Actually, us? Right, you made a point, I think, on this program last year that, I mean, we've been major injury free for like not a couple of seasons now, but I mean, five or six. I mean, we really the credit to our strength and conditioning physio guys um, is a massively underplayed aspect of our success. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we get the injuries. It's just they're not the long-term injuries. They're usually one- or two-week injuries at most. They're just, you know, rest and manage and ice and stuff, whereas, you know, I think that's that all just comes down to the proper player management and players actually really being honest about how they feel because we know a lot of players, even if they're not 100%, they've got a niggle or something, they'll still put their hand up and play. But um, I know I know at the club, you know, the players are encouraged to speak up if they're not, being 100, if they're not feeling 100% to let them know. And, you know, the club 
the club will say, okay, you know, just take the take the week off just for us to like to get it right because they don't want to take the risk and be like Collingwood or Colton where they rush the players back under Dunn or play them through niggles and then it, it turns into something more serious. Having said that, though, Grock, it would have been nice if Astry put his hand up in the prelim because he was seriously no good and even dusty to an extent. But, no, I take your point. Um, and I think the other thing as well is I reckon a lot of our injuries are contact-based as opposed to soft tissue-based, which is a big difference as well. Contact ones, you can wear that. It's a a physical sport. It's going to happen. But we don't have a big amount of hamstring injuries or calf injuries and things like that that um, seem to be really repetitive for a lot of clubs. Or even the ACLs. I mean, you hear a lot of a lot of these clubs that their training surfaces are not, they're too hard. They're not properly equipped. Um, Pont Road, maybe perhaps since the the cricket club moved moved out, we seem to have a training surface that's just not um, asking for these sort of injuries. Yeah, it definitely plays a big part. I mean, the the hardness of a cricket square on a ground can't be underestimated. Like it, it's you, it's almost you can't run on it. Um, so to not have that there as a factor anymore is pretty huge. And then you look at a club like Collingwood, who are training on a, an, an athletic or running track, and the injuries they had or still have. Um, it's no real surprise, to be honest, and I think it's something that, as a club, they need to seriously look at. All right, we mentioned um, Josh Caddy before. He's going to obviously be on the sideline with some ankle soreness for a few weeks. CB, do we play him in round one, or do you take the conservative conservative approach and bring someone else in? Uh, conservative approach. We don't need... Um, it sounds a bit arrogant, doesn't it? We don't need... but. Uh, I think we've got enough depth to um, cover Josh Caddy. Um, as much as he's one of my favourite players, I think when you look at um, Liam Baker, um, Bolton, uh, help me out, boys. Who else am I missing? There's four of them. Um, and keep in mind, too, Tom Lynch comes into the team. Even Townsend so, can yeah, play a role still. Townsend, that's exactly right. So there's um, that was the name I was actually trying to think of. So I think um, we, we've got enough depth there to to cover to, to cover Josh Caddy, um, and you never know the configurations. It's a new season. Obviously, there'll be different players uh, playing different roles. Um, there'll be there'll be change up. So, nah, look, mate, Josh Caddy, long season. We won't need him to beat the Blues, mate. It'd be nice to give him that extra week or two, get him right, and um, yeah, play him when he's ready to go. I might be alone in this, but I'm always scared about playing Carlton round one. I know their overall ladder position should suggest otherwise, but round one each year, no matter the results from the prior year, they always get themselves geared up. They've got a point to prove to their members, to themselves, um, all that kind of stuff. As we saw last year, they got a pretty good jump on us, and we were obviously good enough to reel them back in. But I don't think the game's going to be as easy as what a few people are making out to be. and That just might be the old school Richmond in me coming out. But, the, yeah, they're going to throw everything at us. And if we're sort of going to warm into the season, um, it could catch us off guard. What, what's yeah. the one common denominator each year? It's the umpires. We're the guinea pigs. We get screwed by the rule, new rules every friggin' year. That's why I, I, I don't like us playing the first game because we're the guinea pigs with these new friggin' rules where the umpires are trigger happy with the whistle. They got five goals last year directly from 50-metre uh, penalties. The guys running too close to the man uh, running yeah. through. We got absolutely torched. The last two years we've been torched by the umpires and had to pull it back. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, as they relax the rules about four weeks later, then, you know, we, we always get torched with that. So that, that's the only reason they'll be close. There'll be some new rule interpretation that we'll get raped on this year and away we go again. Yeah. I mean, there is one player we forgot to mention with the whole caddy thing, and that's someone that we, we only picked up last year who I would actually say would be the replacement for Caddy, given that he can go through the midfield like Caddy does. But uh, that's Mavwella. I think Mavwella would oh, be yes. the one that they they do bring in as well because, you know, he's a crafty medium forward. He can kick goals. He, he hit the scoreboard for St Kilda regularly and he, he can go through the midfield as well. So um, it, it all depends too. Yeah, it all depends because um, the, um, the reports coming out of it is that Higgins is looking to transition into the midfield. So if that does, I think we could probably see uh, Higgins take Conker's role in the midfield. And that means, you know, we have two spaces in the forward line. So obviously Lynch will take one and that leaves someone to replace uh, Caddy while he's out. So it'd be Higgins or um, not Higgins. It'll be uh, Weller or, or Bolton, in my opinion, that it'll, it'll be the, um, 
the picks, or if Higgins does stay in the forward line, that'll be Lynch and Higgins in the forward line leaves the midfield role. So that'll be someone like either Weller in the midfield or maybe a Riley Collier Dawkins or a Jack Ross. Speaking of replacements, do you reckon Griggs on knife's edge with um, Ellis getting trained up for a wing? And do you reckon Bakahooli's on the edge with um, uh, Macro uh, coming through the ranks? What do you reckon? I don't think Hooli's um, under pressure now at the start of the season. Um, I think he would still be the first pick. I certainly think Grigg um, would be feeling the pressure. I don't know if Ellis really is the replacement for him. Um, there's been a lot of talk of Bolter looking like the, the obvious replacement. But I think Grigg was showing signs of slowing down uh, last year. Um, yeah. Well, Hawley still can't. I think he's got another year, maybe even two, um, of good footy in him. Um, particularly, you know, if, if they can manage his workload. Um, but I, th- I think Grigg certainly, certainly would be feeling the pressure. See, Hawley, for me, still got uh, too many weapons for him to be replaced by Markov, who's still a little raw. Um, you know, he still lacks composure, whereas Hawley's composed. He's still got a great left foot. On Grigg, he's lost a yard of pace, which for someone who... Uh, wasn't the quickest bloke to begin with, uh, isn't great, especially for a wingman. Uh, he's been exposed in that, you know, relief ruck role, so that's no longer viable for us, especially with the new ruck rules. So that that's another knock against him. And his kicking skills have, have uh, sort of gone downhill. He's reverting back to the old uh, floaters and helicopter punts uh, like he had when he first got there. So that's another thing against him. Um, so I, I do think Greg won't be best 22 probably by the buy rounds. I think we'll probably phase him out. But the one player I do want us to see uh, trial on a wing um, to replace Greg would be uh, Noah Bolter. I think with his athleticism and his speed and, you know, his game-breaking abilities, running, his marking and everything, I think he could be a real weapon on the wing. And a backup Ruckman as well. Is, is, is he... Is he ready? I mean, from some of the training uh, VFL reports I've read, is that he's got the um, the size, but the footy sort of nass isn't quite there. Um, uh, he, he actually played yeah, his last few games at um, at VFL level uh, to end the VFL season were actually really good, uh, playing off a halfback flank. I think he really learnt a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he can translate what he learnt on a halfback flank and then you know just start pushing further up the ground. I think I think there's really no harm in giving him a couple of games to see if he you know can work because we've seen some players uh, can play better at AFL level when given the opportunity than they do it at VFL level for for some strange reason. So I mean I think it's one of those things where there's really no harm, especially if we're playing you know Carlton early on in the season to just play Bolter and give him a game and see how he goes. I think we'll definitely see him in the JLT. Um, I, reckon yeah. that's an, I reckon that's 100% lock-in. But yeah, he is still very much an unknown quantity, I guess. But um, you look at his size and his traits and what he can offer, and if he lives up to the potential, I think he'd be a perfect replacement for the wing in that hybrid role, kind of like what Richo did. Um, but he would also yeah. be my first pick for backup relief Ruckman for Nankervis as well, because... It means we don't really sacrifice having to play another tall forward or having to play Soldo and Nank in the one team. Yeah. Uh, and I think Bolton did do some rucking in his younger days, so it's not completely foreign to him either. But, it, like, yeah. okay, he still might not win the hitouts against people like Gorn and um, Nat Nui and things like that, but I think he's going to do a lot better um, at halving the contest to give us a chance, especially with these new rules, whereas Grigg, unfortunately, has to pretty much concede the tap every time. So I think that could be our solution to it. Yeah, and it also means that uh, we don't have to rush Lynch through the ruck either. We can just, you know, we don't have to risk his knees and his PCLs having to contest up against the ruckman. He can just stay as a permanent forward if Bolter comes in as the relief ruckman. So, oh, but but I wonder the other thing as well, boys. I wonder if we're we're setting up a style of play where you might push Brandy up to a wing, and because you've got big Tom Lynch now, Tom Lynch can actually ruck in the forward line which allows Nank to get a chop out and actually get a rest back. That makes sense? Yeah. I wonder if they'll structure something up a little bit that way where Nank plays a bit more behind the ball now and actually gets a breather that way. When the ball's gone forward, he sets up. I just wonder, forward of 
in between centre and half forward is Rewalt taking rucks around the ground. Deeper will be Lynch. I wonder, and then someone like Asprey might take the ruck. I don't know. There'll be something there, I reckon. I reckon they'll still want to stay quick around the um, edges, and I've just got a feeling about it. Well, that was my question. Is, is Do we run the risk of, um, you know, toying with what works and trying to reinvent our own will and going too tall? Yeah, I don't think we need to bring more tall plays. I know Bolt was taller than Grigg, but there's probably other reasons why you could play him in that position as well. But, yeah, I, I agree with CB's uh, theory, and I'm surprised we didn't do it previously, to be honest. I didn't I didn't understand the point of Nank running from end to end, rucking in all parts of the ground when he could have had a bit more rest and played a kick behind and been intercept marker. I, I never understood why we didn't do it. So I don't think we need to well, play more tall. We just have to play smarter. You know, I think we did try when Callum Moore was playing forward. Um, you know, just trying to have Greg dropping back and filling the hole. Uh, sorry, Nate dropping back and filling the hole. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I think I think unfortunately for Callum Moore last year is um, I don't think he was given enough time. And he's probably uh, came into a very well drilled outfit. Um, I couldn't quite gel into it. Uh, but we're, we're certainly trying to, to play that the Lynch model that CB was talking about, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think we can uh, afford to play a fair few taller players because, uh, especially with the way the game's set up now, the taller players on our list, our key position players, they're all reasonably mobile. They're all agile. They can all push up the ground. Obviously, you know, Bolter can. We, we've seen Callum Moore push up to a wing. You know, we can do that. Uh Mubby or Chol can is athletic and mobile, can play off a halfback flank if need be, like he's done several times at BFL level. So all of the bigger blokes on our list, except for maybe Soldo, are all really athletic. So I mean, there's a question of can you be too tall, but there's also that that um, that question of you know you can be uh, you know you can be tall, it gives you an aerial target, but can you be you know too tall if they're really if they're athletic? I don't think you can be too tall if they've actually got the athletic traits to, to set them apart from sort of the other blokes that aren't overly quick or, or endurance-wise. And CB, I know you mentioned Brandon Ellis before. So in your mind, you feel he does have a place now, team in the best 22 spot week in, week out, if he's reinvented onto the wing? Or do you think he has to earn his way back into the side uh, via the VFL? Or like, who's he going to remove from a spot? I, I think it's great. I, I think he's he's um I mean the one thing we know about Ellis is he's an endurance beast. He runs all day. He, he can seriously cover the ground. He's been our well, he's been our best top three runner. Hasn't he? Him and Lambert, I think, are our top two runners for the last have many years. Yeah, but, him um, Lambert. And... Yeah, yeah, but, but Brandy, I think he was all Australian. Didn't you make the all Australian squad on a wing two three years ago? Two thousand thirteen or fourteen, I think it was. He was yeah, only 20 yeah. or 21. Yeah, so so he's actually got form on the wing. He knows how to play the position. And I think I think of that linking play, um, I'd rather him... I mean, he seems a bit panicked on the back line, if that makes sense. He, we, we were, I think most people are in common, common agreement that he panics a bit in the half-back line, but I think him moving forward of the ball, he'll be a very very good asset, very good weapon, very yeah. good link player. I mean... I still reckon he, his best seasons have been when he's played on the wing. You know, the first three or four seasons he was at the club where he'd start off the wing and he'd push forward and he, you know, he'd unload those fifty meter bombs from the from the fifty and, and kick, you know, long running goals and stuff. I think that was where he was at his at his most dangerous. I just think he doesn't have the composure um, in the back line and he tends he tends to panic when contact's coming and he knows it's coming. He rushes his kick. He sort of just throws it on the, on the boot, sort of like Shane Tuck used to do out of the middle. And I think that's something that's very dangerous coming out of the back line. So I think we generally need to uh, move Brando out of that sort of halfback role that they've pegged him in now and probably move him either to a wing or maybe as a high half forward. And just one thing, we don't kick from the 50 anymore, mate. It's from the paint. From the paint. <laughs> Downtown. <laughs> That could be the far side to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a few young kids that might be queuing up to uh, to put some pressure on some spots. Maybe maybe not early on, but maybe towards the middle part of the year. 
Yeah, a young Sydney stack who signed officially for the club not long ago, which is a very, very good result. I reckon he might be a sneaky chance to get a few games later on in the year. I think he's an absolute steal altogether. I think we've absolutely pulled one um, under the AFL here. Obviously, the circumstances were legitimate and he had to earn his stripes. But, I mean, all the pre-draft comments were that this kid, you know, was sort of top 10 uh, yeah. material. Um, and we've gone in for a free hit. I, I, it's just remarkable. And I think the fact that he's had to earn it, <clears throat> excuse me, will go uh, a long way to his career. You know, I think he now knows what, you know, is likely without football. Um, so I agree completely. I think we could see him earlier, uh, earlier than even halfway through the season. I mean, I you know, if we picked him up, if we picked him up in the draft, you know, the traditional way, uh, we'd all be having him penciling him in for round one. Uh, I think the fact he's flown under the radar, people don't realise just how bloody good this guy could be. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, debut early on in the season. Hell, I wouldn't even be surprised to see him get a go round one as a replacement for Conker because you know he's that in and under sort of hard at it uh, player, and he's got real, he's got excellent speed, he's got you know great vision, excellent skills. Um, to me, he's the closest player I've seen come through the AFL um, with a resemblance to Andrew McLeod. I think he's just got the, the same sort of attitude. You know, he he puts his head over it, just the way he moves, his skills. I think he, he's he's the complete package, in my opinion. And uh, he was the one after Riley Collier-Dawkins that I wanted us to take in the draft when he was still there. So I, I'm completely wrapped that we na- we actually nailed him uh, outside of the draft. I think that, that was a free hit, and it, it, it was an absolute bargain for us. Um, I, yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised to see him play in the first five rounds, to be honest. And what about the other um, one you mentioned there, Collier Dawkins and even uh, Young Ross? They seem to be ticking all the boxes at training as well. Do you give them a chance to play early on or midway through? Uh, with Riley Collier Dawkins, I think I wouldn't. I, I reckon he'll play a game before the buy rounds. But in terms of being AFL ready, I'm not too sure. He's still very wiry, still growing into his body. Um, whether he can actually mix it with the, the bigger framed mids in an AFL uh, environment right now, I don't think he can. Um, obviously, he's got the size, he's got the, the kicking seals, he's got the marking. But I think right now, we don't need that kind of player unless he plays off a wing which is why I think that Jack Ross is probably the one uh, of, our, of our draftees besides Weller, who is the most likely to play early on in the season. Um, he's pretty much a carbon copy of, uh, of, of Jack Graham. He's got the, he's got the frame. He's got um, you know, the hunger for the contest. He loves cracking in, getting his hands dirty. He loves um, you know, tackling. He's, a, he's ferocious with his pressure. Loves to tackle, loves to tackle with intent and try and hurt the opposition. And from all from all reports, he's uh, really, really been impressing the, the mids and the, uh, Blake Carousella with the way his attitude and efforts are going on the training track. So he's another one. If Sydney Stack doesn't replace Conker, I think Jack Ross would be a sneaky chance for a round one debut. And CB, there's been a bit of talk going on our board recently um, about sort like dropping Asprey and playing him for Garthwaite. I'm not a fan of this at all, and it's no no disrespect to Garthwaite. I think he's going to be a fine player. Um, he's shown really good signs early on, but when we've had a backline as good as ours with the chemistry they've got um, and with Asprey doing what he does, it allows Ranch to do what he does best. I think that's... A, I don't know. I think it's a very risky thought process to drop Asprey for Garthwaite. Where do you stand on that one? Oh, it's funny... I'll go. I'll backtrack on what we we're talking about earlier. We we're talking about the ruck conundrum, and I wondered whether we would bring Garthwaite in and maybe use Dave Asprey as our second ruck. With those Just knees, though. Well, yeah, he's had mate, two PPL yeah. reconstructions now, so I think yeah, probably that's not. Probably not. I was just idea. thinking, um, but but like I said, in reality, right now, schoolyard pick Dave Asprey's got the runs on the board. He had another exceptional year last year. Um, and I haven't seen look. Garthwaite hasn't pushed him out of the team yet. Um, I think the only way Garthwaite will get a gig is if Rance or Asprey um, go down with injury. 
Um, Gathwaite Gathwaite doesn't push out broad. They play a different role. He doesn't push out Grimes. He doesn't push out Loston or um, I can't think of the other defender I'm having at the moment. But he's just going to fight his time. Yeah, Hooli and Short. um, So... Didn't Garthwaite play forward as a junior? Didn't he kick a, a large amount of goals as well? Is that a possibility? Yeah. In his uh, country league, I'm pretty sure he played centre-half forward and kicked 100 in a season. Oh. His local really, club. I, I well, know that, it defeats that, that, the purpose of him playing as a backman, but... but... But I just think, I just think, look, he's not, he's not ahead of those boys yet. They've got the runs on the board, but, you know, injuries and things... He, he'll get, I'm, I'm sure he will play this year. I'm sure he will get games. Yeah, I agree. Um, but... But, but right now he's not pushing anyone out. Yeah, see, I'm with just with that, with the whole runs on the board thing, I don't want us to be in a position like uh, Geelong were, you know, in 2015-16 when they lost Melbourne, they lost Bartel, they lost Scarlett, all these players. And then, you know, they, they weren't playing the youngsters because, you know, the other players had the runs on the board. I think we need to sort of give the players games when we can. You know, just to give them a taste of AFL football, show them what the actual level required is, how the game's played, just the pace of it, just the frenetic energy that's that's needed and, and everything. So while I think, you know, Garthwaite isn't going to replace Asprey or, or Grimes or Broad or Rance, I still think we need to find ways to give him exposure at AFL level because we don't want to get to a position where we've, we've constantly relied on Rance and... Uh, Asprey to play, you know, the positions till they're 32, 33, and then have someone come straight in with no exposure and have to lock down a defensive role from the get go. I think, I think that that'd be the wrong strategy to yeah. do. We've seen Geelong, um, and to a lesser extent Hawthorne, um, you know, really suffer from from doing going down that way. Well, I think the thing is as well, Asprey's only twenty eight. And now this six 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 rules come in, you're going to need two big boys down back to take the grillers. Like you still need someone of Asprey who's a very good contested mark and a very good um, spoiling beast. You know, you, you're still like I said. I, I just see right now, but like I said, I'm, I'm sure that Garthwaite will get more games this year because it's just you know, I mean the the, the durability of Asprey and Rance the last two years has been fantastic, but you know it's not going to last forever. Yeah, you know, unfortunately. And, uh, I was just, uh, be prone to a couple of injuries and possibly, you know, miss the old game as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think he would, he's too good to not be getting games at some point during the year, but I think there's just a time and place to be able to do it um, to get that experience into him. And uh, the teams will come. Knocking. What's that? That's the other my other point is that teams will come knocking for a guy like Arthwaite. Oh, for um, sure. If he's yeah. not, if he's not getting exposure, I think. I personally think we're very lucky to get them when Nesson came. They came hard. Yeah. Um, there were there were a few clubs that came hard for him last year. I know Essendon did. Uh, Essendon did. I know the Western Bulldogs certainly did. They gave him a, from what I understand, they gave him a four hundred thousand dollar year contract over three years, which for for someone who'd only played the two AFL games at that point, I think that was a lot of money, and for him to knock that back and stay with us. I think that shows that he's featured in our plans for this season. Otherwise, I wouldn't have. I, I don't think he would have stayed. And, and of course, believe it or not, Collingwood knocked on his door too. I believe. And that's actually not even being a dickhead. Yeah. It's actually Collingwood rendering. So, yeah. And the lounge is with your um, well, the amount of dedication you can show towards watching games now. What's your expectation with the JLT series coming up? Are you going to be tuning in? What? And what do you think our aim and expectation is for the JLT series? Yes, yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting question. I mean, the JLT series now. I mean, it it's a very hard concept to to I think get head around as a, as a supporter and uh, as a footballer. Um, it's not, you know, uh, it, it's not a tournament. Uh, you don't get any full match practice in. Um, I think it's become quite an obsolete element of the game. Um, frankly, I'd rather them scrap their AFLX um, sort of vessel that they're pushing and 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 bring back the preseason tournament. Um, given that in our competition, you know, you can only win one cup. Um, when the, you know the preseason competition was there, there was there's only one of two sorts, you know, several way you could win at any given time. So I think you know it was good for the game, but uh, as, as to where I think we'll go, um, I think it will be. 
a lot of kids, a lot of guys like, um, you know, Garth Waite, um, uh, Markov, uh, you know, um, even Jay Cars and stuff like that, you know, these sort of guys, um, you know, will be playing. And I think it'll be a lot similar to what we did last year, really, you know, get bolted with these guys, give them a taste, give them a bit of running out there. Probably, I don't think we'll see our 666 um, plan at all in the JLT. Obviously, we'll have to set up with it, but I don't think we will. I have a feeling that we have our trick, a trick up our sleeve in regards to that. That, And I, I've got no real evidence to go off that, just the way they've been coy about talking about it and the way they've spoken about plans for the 666. Um so I don't think we're going to give anything away because I do think we're sitting on something. Um, but I think it'd be a very interesting insight into how we will cope with uh, the rule change. And, of course, I'm interested to see how this rule works. I don't – I understand the theory behind it. I don't think it was needed. I don't think it was necessary. Um, we've just come off two of the best seasons of – not as a Richmond sport, I mean, of football in general. Uh, it's been high quality, uh, you know, I mean, everyone's going on about the scoring and this and that, but, I mean, I was watching, because, uh, of course, Fox would have been replaying a couple of old games. Even the great old games from the S year had moments in them. Um, the AFL's crazy ambition to be bang on, full-on entertainment, big bash for 120 minutes is um, just bizarre. Um you know, every year, I think probably since you guys have ever started watching football, the start of the year comes out with a bang with everyone's fit and fresh. Then in the middle of the year when the rain comes and the grounds get sloggy, the uh, the game's quality drops. There's no doubt about that. It's the grind. And then, of course, coming to the nice part of the year with the finals when the the best teams stand up and the quality comes out and shines. Um, did, did, did you, you watch know, the grand final and think it needs 6-6-6 last year? No, I watched I watched the grand final and thought, what a brilliant sport this is. Correct. Um, I it's I look. I understand, you know, what the AFL are talking about, but I mean, I don't know. In my view, AFL is an Australian sport that will be purely Australian, and it won't take off overseas, and it doesn't need to take off overseas. I not really a believer of expansion. I would. I mean, look, the closest I'll go to any further expansion is I would maybe test the waters with trying a team out of New Zealand. But, I mean, in 2019, if New Zealand don't give a fuck, they're not going to, you know, now. And that's my kind of view on the Gold Coast. Um, I think that the AFL has got this this crazy idea that the game will become global. I know that they are genuinely terrified of FIFA because FIFA have a very specific goal to be the number one sport everywhere and anywhere. Um, uh, but I, I, for mine, it, I think the sport's in perfectly good hands. I think we've had some of the finest football in the last couple of seasons. I mean, I was watching the 2004 Grand Final the other day, um, and tactically, it was a nothing game. It was very physical, as all Grand Finals are, but tactically, there was nothing special in 2004. 2005 was the same. Um, we've seen the game evolve to a really fascinating area. Uh, and I'm a believer in letting it go, letting it have its ebbs and flows. Um, I yeah. think they're, they're trying to reinvent the wheel, and I think it could be very dangerous if um, if they get too carried away because you, you one you know one really stupid rule um, away from ruining the sport if they try if they try and really if they really want to dictate how it's played. Well, yeah. we keep making rules on the fly. We keep changing things on the fly. Like, I know we, we all get very critical of umpires, and I was critical of umpires before, but it must be so hard to be an AFL umpire when they keep, like, like this 666, it hasn't even been trialled. They get two JLT games, and then it's live in a season. Like, yeah. we, we constantly make these decisions on the fly, and it must be very, very hard for the umpires to adjudicate properly because the goalposts are shifting every year, and every year... It's not like they're taking one rule out and putting another in. They're just adding, 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 adding. And yeah. um, no wonder people just shake their heads going, I don't know what's going on. I've made this point on the program before, and I've made it on Big Footy, and I've made it in pubs, and I'll, I'll keep making it. In, um, I think maybe in 2006, um, the AFL decided that the game was too slow. 
it needs to be sped up. And they're going to do that simply by allowing um, play on from the goal square after behind after the umpire signaled, but he didn't have to wait for the flags to be waved. And that was great. And now fast forward 10 years and they're going, oh, fuck, the game's far too quick. So instead of going, right, okay, let's just give the players an extra three seconds after every behind and say, right, wait for the flags. Let's just go back to how it used to be. They decided to now get rid of this even kicking out from the goal square so you can just sprint away at any moment you like. Uh, and their their logic in slowing down the game is capping rotations. Um, I, I just understand who's sitting there on one hand going, right, let's get rid of waiting for the flags because it's too too slow. Oh, it's too quick now. Let's go back to how it was given a few extra seconds. Instead, you know, they're speeding up that aspect. And it's just... you. It, I, I just don't understand the logic when they're sitting in an... You know, getting paid a lot of money to sit in an office yeah. and, to, and have yeah. these conversations. To be fair, though, with the new kicking out rule where you don't have to kick it to yourself to play on, you can just run. I think that is one rule that will benefit us, especially with Hawley and Jaden Short kicking out because they both do like to play on um, from from their kickouts. They do like to run and, and roost the ball down the line. So I think um, them being able to just do that immediately without having to kick them gives them that extra maybe half a second of reaction time ahead of the defender to actually get a little bit more space, maybe two or three metres further out than they otherwise would to roost the ball you know, down the line and, and clear it. But I think the other rule that will benefit us is the forwards allow it, um, you know, the hands in the back rule. You're allowed to have hands in the back now um, because uh, Jack Revolt and... Yeah, Jack and Jack and Buddy were the two most penalised forwards in the AFL in 2018 for hands in the back. Um, obviously, we know Jack likes to stay uh, goal side of his opponent. Likes doesn't really like, to, especially if he's, he's out of position. He likes, you know, to use his body to manoeuvre them and and get out the back. So, I really do think that rule will will benefit us as well. Um, but I, I think with the six 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 rule, I think that's going to be really easy to adjudicate. It's not like there can be any grey area about interpretation. It has to be six six six. It's something that you can quantify, you know, easily with with your eyes or you know with the with the third umpire or anything. They can constantly monitor um, the positions. But it's just a matter of um, you know the the rules these days. There are just so many interpretations. And each umpire is not on this on the same page in regards to what the interpretation is for each rule. There's just so many different opinions on how it should be adjudicated that that makes things um, difficult and frustrating for the fans because what gets paid by one umpire gets let go by another. But in regards the to the questions, obvious yeah. example of that is is holding the ball. I mean, I cannot sit here right now and tell you what is holding the ball in 2019. Yeah, I mean, you have a look. I, I mean, the the rule that they brought in about, um, you know, if you drag the ball in, you know, it's uh, play on. It, uh, it's it's holding the ball. But if an opponent drags the the ball into you after you've already disposed of it, it's ball up. How many times have we seen players get pinged for holding the ball after the opponent has dragged the ball back under them and and just held it there? I mean. Some, some of the interpretations are just ridiculous. But um, in regards to the question Michael's asked about uh, JLT and what we expect, I think the first game will see us play a lot of our VFL players and maybe a, a few best 22 just to see um, the development side of things and who will fit in because there are still a few question marks in our best 22 side. You know, is Nathan Broad best 22 or will we, will we see someone come in and replace him like you know, Markov, who's, who offers us something offensively, or Conor Menadju, you know, will will someone overtake Sean Grigg on a wing? Will, you know, Bolton or or Baker, you know, step up and be able to play, um, you know, in as, as a forward? But I think the second week will be where we start to bring back a lot of our best 22, and I think the rest of uh, the ones, you know, the best 22 for the season, and I think a lot of the other... I think we can have 26. I think we get the extended bench. I think they'll be made up of the players who are borderline 22 to see sort of how they fit into the, the structure and the game plan for, for round one. So I think we'll probably just see the first 
the first week will be, you know, the draftees, Collier Dawkins, Sydney Stack, Navweller and everything. And round two, uh, the JLT2 game would be, you know, obviously your Rants, your Dusty and everything. And then you'll probably see maybe Navweller and Chol and, and Townsend and stuff in that they'll sort of mix it up and see who the depth players are that'll be thereabouts for, for the game against Carlton. Uh, CB, um, what's okay. your thoughts for JLT? Um, I think they'll do a mix. They'll they'll uh, they'll, they'll do a mixture. I reckon. Or, or you'll find to be all managed. They'll have, and, and how they do it, I don't know. They'll have you know X amount. Some players going to play three quarters. Blah 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 all the way through it. Um, but the, the, probably the white elephant in the room is Tom Lynch. Who reckons he's going to play any JLT? No, I don't think they'll risk him. I think he'll play round one, but I'd be surprised to see him play anything. Well, I don't even know if he's been in any intra-club matches. We haven't reckon, had an club. We've just done match simulation. I reckon he'll he'll move into full. He'll play round one for sure, but I can't see him playing any of the JLT series. I think they'll they will manage him in the way we manage a lot of our blokes, which is excellent, and they'll have him cherry ripe for um for round one. But I don't think he'll play JLT. But Look, like I said, I think it's all it's all suck it and see, isn't it? These JLTs with the six 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 and everything else. So, um, I think you'll find the bottom teams will go hard as hell because they've got to try and get their memberships and all that type of stuff up. But for blokes like you know, for clubs like Richmond, Collingwood, etc., I think we'll just use it to get some miles on the legs and and, and just do some experimentation. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think we'll see Tom Lynch either until hopefully round one. Uh, we're almost running out of time, but before I let you guys go, AFLX kicks off this Friday night. I would say kicks off. It's only on for one night. Uh, what's everyone's take on the AFLX? We've obviously got Jack Rewalt as one of the captains. Alex Rance is playing and Jack Higgins. Uh, CB, what's your thoughts on our boys playing in the in the AFLX? By all accounts, they reckon it's it's very much just like match simulation. They, they reckon in reality, it's, it, there's, there's no real risk to it. And, Looking at what they're talking about, I probably agree. I'm not really concerned that they're they're playing. Um, you know, danger field. There's a lot of stars playing in this competition. Um, and let's face it, there'll be no wankers out there trying to hurt anyone. It's no. going to be just slap and giggle. I feel like um, it's going to be. If anyone's ever watched the NBA All Stars games on the weekend, I feel like it's going to be very much like that. Very little defensive work and tackling and pressure, and just a lot of offensive scoring. Yeah, it, it, it will be. Yeah, it's going to be like the Harlem Globe trying to stop stuff, isn't it? It's all going to be show, about showtime. And, and and I guess what we've got to look, keep a look out for is not the game itself, but apparently they're allowed to bling up and they've been told they've got to rock up to the games in pimp outfits and shit. I don't know. What's, who's heard about that? Yeah, yeah not yeah, sure. Yeah, club colours. Costumes and nicknames on the back of their jumpers and everything. Jack Higgins will be a ripper to look you out see, for with what he wears to the game. You see, this is this is what ruins it for me. Is when AFLX first announced, I went, "Okay, I understand the logic. It's a very quick game you can play. You know, in a lot of countries, because I mean, there's only sort of half of the countries that play cricket that have the pitches for it. So you have got a game you can take to a basketball court or a, or a soccer ground, um, and you can play with a bunch of mates. I got, the, I understood the idea of." It's a quick version of AFL that you could play in Europe and take to Europe. That had logic to it. All of a sudden, it's now this BBL franchise crap that they're trying to Americanize with nicknames, which I think is the most crass idea I've ever heard and actually just about ruins the concept for me altogether. Dressing up in, in bling, trying to promote, you know, I mean, if I hear one more bloody thing about Dangerfield and personality, I'll go heat. Um, the bloke's got the personality of a fucking stick. Um, He's a flaw. You know, he, yeah, you know, I mean, he. The fact that Dangerfield's banging on about the season's being too long, and then fucking jumps at the first fifty thousand dollar game opportunity. Yeah, that's the highlight. It's just some. You yeah, know. the hypocrisy. And he's, yeah, still tweeting about the season meeting on the players doing it too hard, and he's getting paid fifty thousand dollars to fuck you know rock up for this. I think it's a joke because they had a good idea. And they abandoned it, and now they've gone down this weird, warped, AFL, BBL-style thing that no one asked for, no one wants, um, and isn't going to even achieve. The BBL brings the kids into what I... Okay, like, admittedly, like, test cricket's not for everyone. There's a market for it. There's 
AFL games aren't five days long. There's no market for it. There's no need for it. It doesn't make any sense. They've ruined it by trying to be too American, too clever, and too, you know, just it's. I'm sure it's going to be a success, and they're probably going to, people are going to keep lots of goals, and the AFL are going to go, well, look at, you know, it ticked all the boxes, and you've got lots of people tuning in because people tune in for the novelty of it, like they do with BBL, um, whether they're actively watching it or not. Um, but to me, it's just not a success, and you just. No, that you know, I mean, ACLs can be done turning. You know, I think Mark Coughlin did his slipping in the shower. You know, it, it doesn't need to be contact for a major injury to happen. Um, I but think you can do that. You're, trying. I, you can do that. You can do that. Can happen anywhere. You can I do know, that walking through your car. No, I know. But if if you know if let's put it this way, if Jack Rewalt did his ACL at training or walking to his car, I could deal with that. If he did it in a proper AFLX competition that was meant to promote and build the game, I can understand that. If he does it in some BBL-style tournament rip-off just to line the pockets of the executives, I don't, I can, you know, that that's what really gets me is they had a good competition and they've ruined it. Um, the concept was there by just being greedy and jumping at it. I mean, the Gillette fucking fusion man of the minute thing, you know, uh, sponsored. It's just, it's you know, what I mean, the super dupe goals were bad enough. It's a, it's just, yeah, whatever it is, it's just fucking terrible. I can't, you know, what I mean, like I would not play in it because I'd be embarrassed as a footballer. As a professional athlete in the highest level of my sporting code, I'd be embarrassed to turn up in it. And it's clear that Jack Rewart at the draft is only there because they paid him fifty thousand bucks, and he probably thought, well, I took the pay cut, so I may as well make the money back somewhere. Um, but, but young man. I, I hear your rage, but I have a solution to your rage. I have a solution. And I'm happy for Gil McLaughlin to pay me half a million dollars for this. Right? <laughs> he can pay me this money. AFLX is what the women's game should have been. Right? AFLX is what they should have done to launch a women's game because at the moment, AFL women's football, they'll tell us it's wonderful and it's exceeding. It's not, and it's struggling because of lack of talent they struggle, injuries, there's a whole range of things that's affecting women's football. AFLX was the concept they could have used. Smaller grounds, they could have spread the talent pool out better. If you remember, two years ago, they were trying to get volleyballs and basketballs and things to play this game, right? This would have actually um, got a really good concept going and got women involved in the sport. I, re- I reckon AFLX is what they should have done for women. There you go, pay me my money now, Gil. I actually, um, I said that as well a while ago. Uh, I've watched a couple of AFLW games over the last couple of weeks, and it might have just been luck that the ones I saw were good games, but I was actually entertained and thought they were quite good matches. But on the AFLX itself, I actually thought this format should have been what they went with from the start. Um, I don't mind the idea of the players playing with different people, but someone posted on uh, the thread on our big footy page about maybe they should have gone down the path of maybe turning this into a state of origin kind of spin-off. So there's actually an allegiance that people are going to follow. So it might actually gain a bit more support. And I, I didn't mind that idea because at the moment, I mean, obviously if I'm watching it, I'm going to follow Rewalt's team because he's placed for Richmond. But outside of that, I don't really care who wins. Whereas if it was state of origin base, it, it might add a bit more of a competitive element to it. But I'm not too sure players are going to take it too seriously enough to warrant this state of origin tag. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously you've got uh, Jack captaining um, the Rampage, so we, we're going to be invested in that. And then you have a look, we've got um, Jack Higgins and you've got Alex Rance playing for Nat Lifeside, so obviously you're going to keep an eye on those as well. But I, I agree with you, Michaels. I think AFLX should have been uh, sort of a halfway reintroduction to clubs of uh, state of origin concept. Obviously, you'd have Victoria, you'd have South Australia, you'd have Western Australia, and then the, the fourth side would be like the Allies, you know, but South Australia. With, but with the field size that it is, they could have actually had a full-blown Tassie team in there as well, which would have been a great yeah. thing to have too. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think they, they just sort of dropped the ball on this one. I think they either should have gone for um, state of origin or they should have gone down uh, and maybe had it like a, a Rising Stars thing where it was only open to first and second year draftees 
you know, players who haven't had exposure on a, on an AFL stage, you know, so, you know, um, fans could get more invested in, in their club's youth and um, everything, I think. I, I, I just don't think this this current format, I mean, yeah, it's better than what they brought out last year, but I, I still think there are ways that they could improve it or make it a lot more marketable to the, the most avid football pundits. I, I think right now it's just a gimmick that they're pandering to uh, families and, uh, and, and and young kids. Yeah, I, I just don't think they're, they're alienating probably fifty percent of, of the footballing public. You know, the diehard footy purists. You know, they 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 don't want to be the ones watching this. You know, the only way that they'll watch it is just to take a keen interest in their players that have been selected. They, they won't be invested in the concept. It'll be the players that, that have been chosen. So, yeah, I, re- I really don't think this concept think is is, is going to work. You're right, bro. Just to touch on what you're saying. Everyone's going to have it on their telly out of the novelty of having it on. Whether they're actively watching it or not, it doesn't matter. And if they get the ratings up, then they'll point at that and claim the success. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, my, the biggest question I have when I look at AFLX or I look at, um, you know, uh, charity, community games and everything, and I, do, I look, great give back to the community. But, again, I come back to the question of, fundamentally, was there anything wrong with the knockout-style FA-style cup pre-season competition, you know, the, the Wizard Cup or whatever it was, the, the NAB Cup. I mean, fundamentally, was there anything wrong with that concept? And would we not rather... I would rather have another pre-season cup and go, right, let's try and win. I mean, before the flag, I mean, we haven't won the fucking thing since 1980. You know, it would have been massive. There's only, you know, a cup to win. I would have much preferred us to gone, you know, in particular in the bad years, gone in and tried to win... Um won a pre-season cup than a AFLX cup. I mean, for mine, I bring back the full competition and I give it something to play for. I'm making play for something. I mean, I agree. It gives the clubs down. I sort of agree. Bring back a pre-season competition with, you know, prize money and, you know, silverware and everything because it gives the clubs down the lower end of the ladder, you know, your Carlton, your St Kilda, your Gold Coast, Brisbane, all these clubs, it gives them something to play for before the season, you know, a point of pride that they can say, you know, we won this, you know, we've, we've kicked off our season. They can go into their, their season, you know, with, with something positive, you know, whereas, you know, that going into the season now, it's just like, oh, you know, we're still rebuilding, blah, 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 you know, it's still going to be another re- uh, hard year for us. I, I just think, you know that they they can do so much more with the off season, uh, the pre season, than what they're doing now that benefits all clubs. Whereas what they're doing now is kind of just generic sort of practice games, and I, I think that that was driven by a lot of the clubs who were who were getting the injuries in the pre season games earlier. They wanted it because it was originally three games, and they cut it down to two. Um, but yeah, I, I just think um, they can if if they're going to do a pre season comp, they can even. Uh, just lower the the time per quarter. So they can play, what, 15-minute quarters or 10-minute quarters, you know, 40-minute games every so often spread out. Just you can have do double-headers even on 40-minute game. Yeah. I mean, it, it, obviously, I can understand, you know, nobody wants to sit there and watch, you know, a practice game where there's nothing on the line for, you know, two hours. Like, there's, there's really nothing on the line. So all, there's really only – the only thing you're watching is – you know, form of certain players and keeping an eye out if there's any injuries. Whereas if you get a pre-season competition with an actual incentive where, um, you know, say a winner of that competition uh, can get put get a double chance, you know, for a top 10 pick or something, you know, get a protected pick in the first round or whatever, it makes things a lot more interesting for everyone because there's something to actually play for. Some uh, interesting ideas and concepts there, fellas. I like it. Well, we'll just about run out of time. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we can come together again and, and do another episode because I haven't had a chance to take a shot at Champion Data yet, and I, I do need a platform to do that, so I might save that for another time. Uh, but Grokodok, Captain Blood 17, and the Lounge Lizard, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. Really appreciate your insights as always. Thanks for having me again. Thank Thanks you. And, and next one, can we please discuss Kevin Sheedy's uh, article about James Hood returning to football? Because I feel like I've got a little bit to get off my chest, but I'll save it for next time because I'm sure I'll still be angry about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll I'm really proud of you. I'm proud of you for holding it in, CB, especially after the way you started the podcast. 
what what goes on before we broadcast stays in what we broadcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually the way that you acknowledged Michael's with the fuckers and then fuckers and then fuckers and then fuck her. No, Do I really so. say? I sort of blanked out in a rage. I, sort of, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you just saw red. We'll make sure we come together again in the next week or two and so we can get that off our chest as well as uh, how poor champion data are. But uh, thanks again, Fels, for coming on. Uh, until next time, go Tigers. Thank you. Go Tigers. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!